God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. But Lord, what is man that you take knowledge of him? Or the son of man that you are mindful of him? Man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. There is only a step between now and forever, only a heartbeat away. There is so little time between living and dying, so soon till our beauty will fade. So teach us, teach us, are 70 years and if by reason of strength they are 80 years it is soon cut off and we fly away so teach us to number our days thank you heard ladies appreciate your ministry teaching us God's word through music If you have your copies of God's Word, we're going to continue in Acts chapter 10. Just want to let you know I do have an acute case of March Madness that I'm working on. My voice is weak, 
And apparently I was uh, drinking, <laughs> and I'll finish that sentence, um, <laughs> heavily last night, Diet Coke that has caffeine in it, and then started, started snacking on um, some things late in the evening that apparently my wife calls them energy balls. Um, so I didn't sleep well last night, and my voice is a little weak, so if you sense uh, that my quite not myself, um, that's the reason why. But, you know, Michigan won, and at the end of the day, God was glorified. So <laughs> let's pick up. It's good to see some elect here uh, this morning. Picking up in verse 21. So as my voice fails, um, we'll just slide the volume up until you can hear my whisper clearly. Picking up in verse 24 of chapter 10. On the following day, Peter entered Caesarea. Now, Cornelius was waiting for him and had called together his relatives and close friends. And when Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell on his feet and worshipped Peter. But Peter raised him up saying, stand up for I am just a man. As he talked with him, he entered and he found many people assembled. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a man uh, who is a Jew to associate with Gentiles and visit him. And yet God has shown me through the vision that I had uh, previously that we studied last week that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. That is why I came without any objection when I, I was sent for. So I asked, for what reason have you sent for me? Cornelius said, four days ago, this hour, I was praying in the house during ninth hour, which is about three o'clock in the afternoon, and behold, a man stood before me in shining garments, and he said, Cornelius, your prayers have been heard, and the alms have been remembered before God, therefore send a Joppa and invite Simon, who is also called Peter, to come to you, who is staying at the, staying at the house of a Simon, the tanner at the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and you have been kind enough to come. So then, we are all present here, family, friends, and, and relatives before God to hear what you have been commanded by the Lord to tell us. Opening his mouth, Peter said, I am certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality, but in every nation the man who fears him and does what is right is a welcome To him, we'll be unpacking that more this evening because that is a, a, a heavy verse there. The word which he sent to the sons of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, for he is Lord of all. You yourselves know the thing which took place throughout all of Judea, starting in Galilee after the baptism which John the Baptist proclaimed. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he sent him doing uh, good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses of all of these things. He did, both on the land, uh, in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, they also put him to death by hanging him on the cross, but God raised him up on the third day. Folks, he's given the gospel. That's what he's doing. He's given the gospel. On the third day, granted that he would become visible, not to all people, but to witnesses who were chosen beforehand by God, because God does all the choosing. One that pointed by God to judge the living and the dead. Uh, pick up in verse, halfway through 41. Um, but to witnesses who were chosen before by God, that is, to those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. So he's not a ghost, he ate and drank. And he ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly to testify that this is the one who has been appointed by God to judge the living and the dead. Of him all the prophets also bear witness. The entire Old Testament points to him, that everyone who believes in him receives the forgiveness of sins. While Peter was still speaking, the, word of the, Holy, the words of the Holy Spirit fell upon those who were listening to the message. And all the circumcised believers who came with Peter, there were six of them, seven including Peter, were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured on, on all these Gentiles as well. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and exalting God. And Peter answered, surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit as we have, can they? 
And he ordered them to baptize in the name of Jesus Christ. A lot of application in there. We'll get to that tonight. We're just going to hit the big points this morning. Then they asked him to stay for a few days. With that being said, let's ask God's blessing and we'll walk through this together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you. And I ask for your help this morning. Emotionally, my bandwidth is low. Physically, my voice is failing. I confess my sin before these people, your people. I do not stand up here because I am better than anyone else. Far from it, Lord. You are. Again, I ask, as always, that I would lose myself in this message, that I would hide myself behind you, and that my family would see you. I pray that your Holy Spirit would teach us. Till our, the ground of our hearts, make it fertile. There are many here whose the ground of their hearts is packed hard. They've been hurt. They're bitter. There's some that are thorny and rocky. They've raised, been raised in the church and the culture of Christianity and this world just chokes out the message. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would break up on the ground, throw the rocks aside, make us fertile in our ears. And Father, I pray this and I ask this in your Son's precious and holy name. And if you're awake this morning, say amen. amen. All right. Peter has been slowly stripped of his national, racial, and social prejudices over the past two passages that we have gone through. By this time, this passage is over today. The story of Peter being stripped of his prejudices will encompass nearly 73 verses. He started out roaming around primarily Jewish land looking for Jewish people to receive the gospel from their Jewish Messiah. And then God took him over to Lydda, a mildly Gentile area, but primarily still Jewish in its population. And then over to Joppa, which was thoroughly Hellenistic and mixed with Greek and culture and was wholly Gentile. And then he stayed with Simon the Tanner's house, which what, to a fastidious Jew was an, an anathema, which would cause him to be unclean. Then he had a vision of unclean food being made clean by God. And he saw this vision three times, one after another, until fa finally he stands in the home of Cornelius uh, in Caesarea in a room full of Gentiles made up of family and friends. This is a lot of time stripping Peter of his national and religious and social prejudices, is it not? Truth of the matter is that we do not let go of these things very easily. In fact, more times than not, we don't even notice that we have them. But they in time become our identity. But what I would like to do this morning is shift our attention away from the subject of prejudice, whether it's racial, national, or social in its context. I want to bring our attention away for a moment and, and observe a very important detail that I think a lot of times we miss in our reading of this area of scriptures. And, and it brings up a question in my mind, and I don't know if it has brought up a question in your mind. But for God to do all this preparatory work, 73 verses on the heart of Peter, yank him around from Lydda to Joppa to the Tanner's house to a vision, 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 and ingraining it in his mind to Caesarea in order to share a gospel, the gospel with this Gentile, this must be one wicked Gentile. Truly the person that Peter is to share the gospel with, which by the way, within the word of God, this is the first time a group of Gentiles are given the gospel and we'll see a Gentile Pentecost happen after it. This is the first time he will share the gospel with a Gentile. 
This Gentile must be so wicked and so far from salvation that only Peter, all right, the leader of the apostles, could possibly do the job to reach the depravity of this Gentile. I mean, let's take a look at how wicked Cornelius is. It says right here, and Cornelius was a devout man who feared God. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I'm sure he probably worshipped the wrong God. Your prayers, Cornelius, have ascended before Yahweh. Okay. All right. Well, surely God's chosen people saw him as an enemy and a bridge needed to be built to the Jews. It says right here, he was a God-fearing man and was well-spoken by all of the Jews of Israel. Oh, okay, well, he's got a good reputation here. Okay, well, maybe it's all a show. Because after all, we are very good at putting on a show and making sure people see our giving and how spiritual we are and, and making sure they know we pray and that we, we give this impression that we truly fear God. It must not have reached his heart. Surely he is all talk and no walk. Let's see here. He gave much money to the Jewish people. If you want to know what a man cherishes, look at his calendar and look at his wallet. Now, which by the way, first application, not in my notes. If we looked at your calendar and we looked at your wallet and you looked at my calendar and my wallet, what would come up what we, what we treasure? All right, well, so far so good. All right, it doesn't seem very wicked. But surely he must be religious and, and not truly sought out God. Oh, but he prayed to God continually. I don't know about you, but I ask myself, what in the world is going on here? By the way, this isn't a pagan God. He's not pantheistic. He's not going after some, some remote Hellenistic God of the Romans. This is Yahweh. This is the God of the Old Testament. What in the world is going on? Why in the world does Peter need to share the gospel with this man? How many here would say, I wish all of that was true of me? With a, if, if you wish that could be said of you, say amen. I mean, we would all, we look at this and we go, wow, this man truly loves the Lord. Why in the world does Peter need to share the gospel with this man? If, if, if we were to officiate or go to this man's funeral, we would talk him right into heaven. Would we not? We've talked far less into heaven. Frankly, the description of this man is just like, if not better, than most of us in the chairs in this room today, especially me. Cornelius is a God-fearing, money-donating, highly respected prayer warrior. He is a highly respected prayer warrior. Why does Peter even have to share the gospel? Oh, my friends, I want you to grab this as a family here. Because Cornelius, as religious and godly and sincere as he may be, is still lost and on his way to eternal damnation. By the way, that ought to wake us up just a little bit. Because being sincere about your belief in God and doing good works does not save our soul. Let me say that again because I want to preach the gospel to this church. I want those who think they are saved here this morning, I want to speak directly to you. And, and I would love for you to affirm this if you are willing. The gospel must be preached to the church as much as it is preached to those outside the church. Amen? We, the church, every time the apostle visited a church, whether it be Corinth or Galatia or Ephesus, he says, I come with the gospel. Why are you bringing the gospel to a group of gospel people? Because we deceive ourselves. We need it. Here's what I want you to grab. There are many in the church who sincerely believe in God and are not saved. There are many who sincerely believe in God. Do you sincerely believe, sincerely believe in God? I think most of us would say, yes, I have this sincerity. But that doesn't mean that we are saved. Cornelius is sincere. 
And I want you to know that I must preach this to myself above all others. Pastors need to hear the gospel as much, if not more, than anyone else in the church. I dare say one of the greatest mission fields within the church is often found behind the pulpit. So let us just boil this down. Sincerity and good works does not equal saving faith. Sincerity and good works does not equal saving faith. Now I'm going to take this off. I thought I should dress up this week since last week I've slummed it a little bit, all right? But, but what I want you to grab here is right out of the gate, now Cornelius. You'll see it highlighted here. By the way, did you know that almost always, very consistently, Roman centurions in the Word of God are presented in a good light? You see it in Matthew chapter 8, Acts 27, and so forth. So this God-fearing centurion fills this room, with, which is always described in a good light, fills this room with people he loves. Take a look at that. And he called together his relatives and his friends. Now in the Greek, you can't see it, but it's very clear. He invited everyone but his mother-in-law, all right? I'm joking, I'm joking. He probably thought she needed to hear it the most. Now, now there are two applications that we see here right out of the gate. We see a soteriological, salvational issue, and we see a relational issue at the very same time. Relationally, Cornelius has this room full of other Gentiles because he loves them. When you love someone, you want them to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen, church? Who do you love? That you have yet to open your mouth to, who am I? Have I done that? But there is also a soteriological side here in that this room is full of Gentiles. So, and you see it right there. So it could not be considered an anomaly that salvation was not, or sorry, that salvation was not for all. Let me unpack that for just real quickly here. If just Cornelius, which we can all agree, is likely more godly than all of us, small g. If Cornelius, who is godly, got saved that night, one might argue that it's still not normative. That salvation is still primarily just for Israel. Because Cornelius was such a good man that finally the Lord just almost felt compelled to give him salvation. But it's not just Cornelius. It's a whole room full of a lot of different people, including his nephew, Eddie, that no one likes, all right? Who is not a prayer warrior, who doesn't give any money to the Jews. Is Eddie a good Jewish name? I don't know. I don't think so. That rhymed. Let's move forward. Now, the entire room is filled with diverse, uncircumcised, creepy, crawly people. Remember that imagery from last week? Creepy, crawly people of unclean people. Remember that because we're going to come back to that. This entire room is filled with diverse, uncircumcised Gentiles that are going to be saved all at once. Who could argue that a room full of these Gentile, unclean people, that who could argue that salvation was not for all mankind? So the room is filled so it could be undeniable. Now check this out. Cornelius met him and he fell at his feet and he worshipped him. The word worship here literally means to kiss towards. He fell on his knees. And if I, if I could bring some imagery, he's kissing the ring of the king, if you will. This is, the, this is Peter, the, the head of the apostles. To kiss forward. The leader of a powerful occupying force of Rome falls on his face to kiss and honor and and give homage to Peter to worship him. If ever, by the way, if ever there was a time when hothead, shoot your mouth off twice, think once Peter, all right? To scratch a, a, a racial, national, and social itch. How many here, sometimes people say things and there's that itch of your own that you really want to scratch in a godly way. Anyone at all? If ever there was a time that Peter could have said, don't miss the index finger, all right? Everyone getting a picture of this? 
See what God has done. A Roman centurion is on his knees. But Peter doesn't do that. But certainly this would be the time. But look at what Peter says. He says, stand up, man, for I too am just an anthropos, a man. Can I just stop here for a moment? MacArthur makes a great point here. He doesn't often make great points, but I think he makes one here, all right? Oh, I struggle with his hermeneutics, but let's move forward. This response from Peter ought to give us great pause about worshiping and praying to saints. Nowhere in the Word of God are we told to pray or worship saints or objects. In fact, not only is it discouraged like we see here in the text, it is prohibited elsewhere in the Word of God. Well, I could slam verses left and right. Let me give you two. Matthew 4.10, 1 Timothy 2.5. We are not to worship and pray to anyone other than Jesus Christ, the Holy Trinity. And it is here that we see God slowly stripping Peter of his prejudices has taken root. 73 verses has finally started to grow some fruit here. So let's look at what he says. He says this. You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with a foreigner, 73 verses of that, all right, Lida, Joppa, Tanner, vision, 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 to visit you. God has shown me that I should not call any man, because it's really not about food last week. It's about, it's not that unclean food is okay, it's that Gentiles are okay, that, that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. That is why I came without any objections to my social barriers when I was sent for. Cornelius said, we are all present before God to hear all that you have commanded by the Lord. Grab this. All we're doing is setting the stage for application. This is all just background study. All right? This God-fearing, highly respected man who prays to the right God faithfully must still hear the gospel must still hear the gospel of Jesus Christ in order to be saved. Again, salvation that comes from God is imparted only through belief in Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Now that is a very controversial message. Not simply in... Oh, it's getting ahead of me. You're fine. Hey, what if we hit backspace before they read that? (laughs) Power. Don't let it go to my head, but I did just do that. All right. Now, what was I talking about? Oh, very controversial message. Not just outside in a highly ecumenical, homogenous, spiritual, religious thought. It is controversial, unfortunately, within the church who calls themselves the church of Christ. Jesus is the only way even if you sincerely believe in God. Let's hit that button. Opening his mouth, Peter said, I love the application here because it is so simple. Barb Ford, are you here? Barb Ford, are you here? Is my, okay, sister, I'm going to ask you this application because you hit a home run on Wednesday. You are about to see a powerful interpreter of the Word of God in Barb Ford. Now, we're not going to call her a preacher, all right, because that's not right, but I will hold my hands up in the air so that you know she is under my authority to speak here this morning. I'm joking. This is so simple. How shall they know unless someone tells them? Get ready, Barb. All right? The gospel must be spoken. The gospel must be shared. The gospel must be heard in order to be accepted. We cannot share the gospel by simply living good in moral lives or being lovely, uh, loving people. As important as that is, as our testimony to back up what we are going to say, we must be like Peter. And when it comes to the gospel, not only live it, but Barb, what do we have to do? Open our mouths. Incredible. When's the last time you opened your mouth? Let me tell you about Jesus. How about me? 
Thank you, Barb. Now, I want to touch on something here. I most certainly understand now that God uh, has shown me that he is not partial to people, but every nation, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. Now, there's so much misinterpretation in this verse because it's pulled out of context. We're going to fly fly over it a little bit this morning, but we're going to land in it this evening. So I invite you back. But here it is, the flyover. Some have used this as a verse or proof text of some sort of form of quasi-universalism. Meaning this, that God will accept and save from his wrath anyone who is sincere about him and seeks to live a good life. I sincerely believe in God and I'm trying to live a good life. They must go to heaven. They point to the words, every nation, the man who fears him and does what is right. There are two problems with this selective interpretation. One, if Cornelius is already saved, which we will see, we'll see soon in Acts chapter 11, verse 18, that he is not here. Because in chapter 11, verse 18, it says this, that God granted Cornelius and the house that is full of Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. So they haven't fully repented and believed yet. Also, if this one verse teaches some sort of quasi-universalism that all men are made right with God through sincerity and good works, here's the question, then what in the world is Peter doing here? What is he doing? Wasting his time. Sharing salvation in the name of Jesus alone. Why is Peter sharing the gospel to a godly man who sincerely believes in the right God? That's just, that's just hard to put our brains around. Grab this. What I'm about to say is antithetical to the modern church movement and will make many religious people angry and likely will mean that I will never write a best-selling book that will get to the front door of Baker Bookhouse. But here it is. Salvation from the right God can only come through the right person, Jesus Christ. This is the gospel that Peter is giving to a moral man who believes in the right God. Look at the words here. Check out these words. That God will have peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Spirit. By the way, there's the Holy Trinity, God's Spirit, and Jesus, the Trinity right there. Death by hanging on the cross, raised him up on the third day, rose from the dead, judge of the living and the dead. And then finally, everyone who believes in not the generic right God, but in Jesus, receives the forgiveness of sins. Peter is not giving the gospel to an idol-worshiping, pantheistic, or God-denying pagan that lives an immoral life. He has given it to a highly moral, God-fearing, people-loving, faithful-praying man who believes in the right God, but has yet to walk through faith that is only through the door that is Jesus Christ. Oh, may the words that Jesus spoke ring clearly in our fertile hearts and ears this morning. And maybe, maybe just for the first time, when Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one, no one, no one, not even a religious man who believes in the right God. No one will come to my Father unless it's through me. Wow! Narrow is the door, and few, that even when they find the door, few that go through it. Oh, tell me that we see what is found here. It is not enough to believe in the right God and be a good person. But rather, this passage makes it abundantly clear that there is no ground to argue that God will save good people apart from an articulate faith in Jesus Christ. And we might go, but, but my nature wants to disagree with that, Pastor. I, I know mine does. But we do so at our own peril. Old church, may the offense 
of the gospel waken our sleepy religious moral hearts. What we see here is unmistakable. Grab this. Good Muslims do not go to heaven. Good Hindus do not go to heaven. Good Buddhists or Mormons or Jehovah Witnesses do not go to heaven. And hear me today, my friends, good Christian Reformed and good Lutherans and good Catholics and yes, good Baptists do not go to heaven apart from the grace-giving, sin-repenting, life-changing, intimate faith in Jesus Christ alone. We don't have an inside lane apart from Christ. My friends, look at that screen. This is not a verse that we simply hang on the wall. It is a verse we must write on our hearts. Even if you're a prayer warrior who sincerely believes in God. Not too long ago, I stood talking to a man. He found out I was a Baptist minister, so all future relationship was destroyed. And he said, I believe in God. I'm like, I, I really didn't ask you. I believe in God. He goes, I just, I just don't believe I have to go to church and follow all the rules and dedicate myself to him. I didn't even say anything. I think it's the power of the beard, all right? <laughs> I just looked at him. I didn't say anything, not in a sarcastic or cocky way. I, I, I just looked at him. I just looked him at the eyes, and he said nothing, and I said nothing, and uncomfortable with the silence, he offered more information. By the way, what a wonderful tool silence can be. Amen? I always say, just stop giving people rope to hang you with, all right? But uncomfortable with the silence, he offered more information. He goes, I guess maybe I'm just lazy. I still said nothing and just let the beard move in. (laughs) By the way, I could be saying this to the mirror. He then said, I don't know, maybe I got it all wrong. I felt this. Say, Barb, what am I supposed to do? Open my mouth. Very good. Open your mouth, Brett. So I said, may I have permission to speak into that? And he said, yes. And I said, sometimes apologetics doesn't have to be complicated. You don't have to go, well, on the Mishnah back in the Hamatolutin and the transgender. I just said, stop being lazy. You say you believe in God, then believe what God has said in his word. He told us to place our faith in Jesus Christ, to love him with how much of our heart? Talk to me, church. All of our heart. It in that all of the law of God is fulfilled. Love, love, love God. Love His Son, Jesus Christ, with all of your heart. Here it is. Lay, your, lay down your life. Pick up His cross. He told us never to forsake gathering together with His believers, His church, that we are to love His sheep. If you say you believe in God, here it is, church, then believe what He says. And do it. But don't say you believe in God and then not do what He says. Because you want to know what that is to say you believe in God and not do what he says? Here it is. It's not belief. It is damning sincerity. And sincerity does not save. My friends, to truly fear and know God through Jesus Christ changes everything. Now, this is the first time the gospel has been preached to the Gentiles. Maybe, maybe in a very highly religious and homogenized culture that we live in, it's the first time we've heard it. And then Peter takes a breath, and before he can even give an altar call, even before he can give an altar call, look what happens. All of the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed. Seven of them, six of them with Peter makes seven. Three Gentiles that went and got him, that makes ten in all with a room full. Because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. This all happens before there's even an altar call. All right? 
May I interpret this quickly with some quick application to follow? Circumcised believers is a long way to say Jewish believers that are with Peter. The word Gentiles is a short way to say non-Jewish, uncircumcised believers. Now, what I want you to grab here is this. Both now have salvation in Jesus Christ and are filled with the same Holy Spirit as they received at Pentecost. In fact, not only did they receive the same Holy Spirit as they did in Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, verse 11, but the very same gifts come, almost identical with the gift of the Spirit at this time upon placing their faith. Grab this. The first group has the cultural and covenant scar of circumcision commanded in the Old Testament. They are in covenant with God. The other Gentile group has no scar of covenant, yet here it is, both are equally redeemed. Now there's some wonderful application here that the church has forgotten to apply. Grab this. Both are equally redeemed. Here it is. Truly, the creeping things of this world are invited to join the kingdom of God, of which we are them. Amen, church? We are them. Here's the quick application. All nations, all races, all cultures are on equal footing because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, not their culture. These new believers do not need to adopt a Jewish culture or customs to be saved. Wow. Oh, the application that falls on my lap first, and I hope it falls on yours as well. They do not need to adapt Jewish culture or their customs to be saved. Oh, do you smell the application? Because for some of us, it is going to be a sweet aroma. For others, it's going to sting our nostrils. To contemporize it, these new believers do not need to be Americanized. These Jewish believers do not need, or these Gentile believers do not need to be Americanized or West Michiganized or, or, or Grand Rapidsized or G-R-A-B-C-ized. Amen? In fact, we could do for a little deculturing, could we not? To become right with God or equal in their sight. They can all keep their cultural traditions and styles and preferences that do not disregard Scripture. That do not disregard Scripture. Their music, their style, their culture, their dress, their scar mark of circumcision. And even their style and brand of worship does not have to change. When I was at my first church, 20-some-odd millennia, it feels, ago, there was a sister church who miss this big time. Truth of the matter is, we all miss this a little bit big time. I knew of a sister church that when I went there, and if you visited there, even as a, a lost person, you had to wear a shirt and tie. You had to wear a shirt and tie. If you walked into that church and you did not have a white shirt and tie, they had, back behind by the baptismal tank, Every size white collared shirt that a person could possibly need. And then a whole string of different ties because apparently godliness did not, did not, not reach it to the fabric of the tie. And if you walk in there, they would say, hey, why don't you come with us? We'll get you a shirt and tie. They also had dresses of every size, shape, and style for, for the ladies who walked in that had no dress. How many would like to shop there? We've had this one here for 40 years. It's a, it's a crowd favorite. <laughs> Only certain style of music was acceptable. Canned. How many here know what canned music means? Ungodly. That's what canned music, no. Instruments. By the way, even in their evangelism and their mission work, not only was it the goal to share the gospel, but once those people proclaimed to know the gospel, they had to become like them culturally. They, would, they, would only, they wouldn't even welcome a certain political party. Only one Bible version would do. In short, all those who joined must assume the culture or be marginalized. Do you see the context here? So, no, no, so circumcision makes no distinction in the word of God, but a shirt and a collar does? Do you see how insane this is? Oh, here it is, my friends, and we're almost done. 
I have a half page of notes. I want you to grab this. Hear this. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Let us stop. We get distracted. This isn't in my notes. We're going to be there tonight. We get so distracted on peripheral things, even if I may dare say it, distracted on biblical peripheral things. Jesus Christ must be the center of all that we do. It doesn't matter if you worship in the rural hills of West Virginia or in the deep urban streets of Baltimore. It doesn't matter if you jump up and down in Zambia or stand stoically in England. It doesn't matter if your shirt holds a tie or if your jeans are tired. It doesn't matter if the organ fills the room or the drums shake your chest. For the gospel of Jesus Christ is not given so that all of our cultures are erased, but rather that all All of our cultures exalt Jesus Christ. You see, the question is not, are they like me? But rather, are we all like Christ? That's the goal. And oh, does that preach to my heart. You can just listen in to my heart being convicted. Because I Think at this. And there they stood, all struck. Seven Jews in a room full of uncircumcised reptiles, goyisms. <laughs> Those of you who have been along enough for context got that. Those of you who have not went, this guy is nuts. <laughs> know your history. History Channel, Discovery Channel, commentaries. Get close to God. You will know these things. I'm joking. Uncircumcised goyims. This is not an anomaly. It's not a one-off. The gospel is for all. And Peter stutters out the words in utter amazement. Surely... Surely no one can refuse the water of baptism who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did at Pentecost. Is this not a Gentile Pentecost? Can he? Well, the answer is obviously not. So he ordered them to do the baptize. You guys get some skin in the game. Because ministry doesn't begin and end with Peter. And by the way, ministry does not begin and end with me. God forbid I be the bottleneck of the gospel. Or the leadership of this church. I love this. We're almost done. I already lied once, didn't I? It's an opportunity for you to show grace. All right? And, and get rid of this culture of time management for just a moment. Which clearly is a thorn in the side of West Michigan. Grab this. Let me be short and clear here once again. And my hope is that in my brevity, the word of God will bring conviction and clarity. So let me do this quickly. Like every believer in the New Testament, from the Ethiopian eunuch to Paul, to the 5,000 at Pentecost, I'm extending it out a little bit, like Cornelius here and his entire family, notice baptism always follows salvation. This isn't a cultural approach to baptism. It isn't a you do you and I'll do me. This is, this is thus saith the Lord stuff. Like all those at Pentecost, baptism always follows salvation. It does not impart salvation. In every circumstance, in the New Testament, in every case, baptism in the Bible follows salvation through personal faith in Jesus Christ. Never is salvation found in who your parents are, and never is salvation found in what your parents have chosen for you. But rather, baptism publicly identifies what God has already done in our lives spiritually. May I ask you a simple question? Why not be baptized 
in the way God instructs. What's holding us back? And what is more important? Culture? Nurture? Upbringing? Preference? Those really hold a higher standard than make Him the Lord of your life today through acts of obedience. My friends, if we learn anything today, let it be this. Peter does not share the gospel to some evil, diabolical deviant, but to a good religious person who believes in the right God. In this prayer warrior, generous giving person who believes in the right God still needs forgiveness of sins that only comes through Jesus Christ. And with that, our whole hour now comes down to one question. Are you, am I, a modern day Cornelius? If you don't know the answer to that question, don't leave here today without making sure. Talk to an elder. Talk to me at the door. Talk tonight. There's so much here to unpack tonight. I invite you back. You believe in the right God? Good for you. Good for me. So do the demons. So did Cornelius. So did all the apostles. Make sure you get through the door. A lot of times we gaze at the temple that is the kingdom of God and we go, I believe in that. That temple has a cornerstone, does it not? Jesus Christ. Everything, 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 everything. Eternity. Jesus Christ. Gracious Heavenly Father, dismiss us with your blessing. You are good and you are gracious and you are holy and you are righteous and your love is only equaled by your wrath and it is only escaped through Jesus Christ because you loved us so much. May each and every individual in this room walk through that door, Lord. If not, make them miserable in love. Make them miserable until they are right with Chase them, Lord. Chase me. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I love you guys. Have a wonderful afternoon.